Welcome to the Weekend Must Watch on Intercut, the weekly show going through the movies, TV, and entertainment that people just can't cut away from. As always, I'm your co-host Arturo Surita, and joining me from somewhere in Jersey, it's Zachary Shevish. What's up, Zach? Yeah, uh, not quite in Ray Romanoville, but I, pretty close. I could, I, I make the occasional trip out to Queens, so. Somewhat familiar with that that territory. You know, I've been seeing a lot of movies from Queens this past week. Uh, we've been able to do some stuff for uh, a lot of upcoming festivals and hot dogs. And Queens seems to be like the place where everybody wants to be. And Ray Romano, yeah. I don't even think it's his directorial debut, but we'll be covering a movie that he's actually front-running. He's also made a surprise appearance in a show that I have as one of my picks for the week <laughs> that's coming up next week. I did not think we are going to have a Ray Romano filled 2023, but here we are. Uh, yeah, right? Nonetheless, though, uh, how was your weekend so far? Uh, that's I'm, all I'm right. talking about Just it like it's a long weekend. That. I know, right? Nothing nothing particularly special about this past weekend other than it was the most recent one. Uh, just busy, man. Uh, between, between hitting the ground running after our various travels and then also, like, uh, trying to be a sports fan in the most packed part of the schedule – where some of the leagues are starting, some of the leagues are ending, oh, some of the leagues are drafting. Uh, soccer starting, but I'm my, my devils are good for the first time in like a decade Hockey. plus, okay. it feels like. Uh, uh, not to mention the Knicks are decent. I don't, I don't think they're going to okay do much, but there? they're decent. Are y'all yeah, all right? Yeah, the... Y'all acting like San Francisco <laughs> over there, and it's not even a... <laughs> It's not even a championship game yet. Man, it's been so long since the Knicks have had, like, a likable team. Like, Lynn Sanity was the only glimmer of hope we've had in the 21st century. So Still getting to the second round here. is better than winning It's in, in some uh, – in Knicksville, I guess. It's a win already there. <laughs> exactly. Just being able to advance it. Uh, like, I yeah, don't know my if favorite you saw – uh, sorry, just with hockey, uh, Toronto hasn't been past the first round of the playoffs in, in I think, like 20 years, something like that. So they celebrated winning just one round of the playoffs like they'd won the whole thing, basically burned the they're, whole city down. Not not exactly, but I mean, look, they were it's, it's the hockey city town. Down. And, Revoke yeah, their Canadian they, <laughs> card if yeah. they're going to win one. That's pretty bad, I think. Uh, no, I saw yeah. for the Knicks How about you, man? that the rookies, they they got all the pictures from them young and said, Someone had to do it. If if the team wasn't going to do it, they were going to do it themselves. So I, exactly. I think NBA has been, been pretty legit. The uh, the Warriors uh, Sacramento series. I feel like that's still going on. Crazy. Felt like it was two months ago when Draymond did the Super Mario jump off of that exactly. one player uh, when E forty got kicked out. Dude, even uh, uh, Jack Nicholson coming back to to tie it in with the movies. Jack Nicholson finally made an appearance <laughs> out at uh, an LA game. So and it's know, funny. It's funny because like one of the sports reporters that I, I know, Rachel Nichols, is the person who tweeted out that video. And then I too. saw every film critic that I follow retweeting the video, you know, worlds colliding in that weird moment. But yeah, good to see Jack crazy. out and about. Just a, it would be nice to see him in a movie. I know the guy is probably has no need to to show up in some stupid like a comedy as a cameo or, or even do like a Scorsese movie at this point. But man, I, I miss Jack Nicholson on screen. Yeah, a legend. Uh, we don't have Jack Nicholson in this lineup that no. we have for today, but we do have some pretty good legendary actors who uh, showed up for a couple of these movies. And I'm going to start off with the first one. We have a jam-packed cast. It was probably the biggest movie of the week, besides the movie from a couple weeks ago that just passed a billion dollars. Yeah. Kids aren't going to go see Super Mario, or they're going to go see Super Mario because they're not going to go see if Margaret found God. Are You There, uh. God? It's Me, Margaret is the newest movie uh, that I believe is going to begin the adaptations of all of the Judy Bloom novels that are out there. We talked last week about the Sundance documentary uh, about Judy Bloom, where we thought it was very much a promo. Um, yeah. Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret feels like the first one that needs to hit in order to adapt all the other books and get the super-fledged cinematic universe. And personally, <laughs> please, I freaking Loved it. I thought this was an incredible adaptation for the book. Obviously, it's not always going to do the book justice, but the essence of the book, I think they got it completely. How would you feel? I was kind of blown away by this one. And, you know, you, you told me that you actually read this book. I, I read right. Super Fudge, but I, I didn't get to Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret, when I was younger. Um, so the, like, specifics of the story, 
I was unfamiliar with, and I'm I'm kind of blown away to see this Decent, right? covered in like a kids film. Not to mention the way that it's handled. Like, you know, obviously a lot of love has to be uh, given to Judy Bloom for the the text upon which this is based, which is so it it, it so maturely handles the issues of of growing up and you know not necessarily becoming an adult but becoming a bigger person. Uh, in a way that doesn't necessarily like talk down to kids. It talks nope. on their level. Um, so the, the text is obviously great, but Kelly Freeman Craig handles this so beautifully. I, I didn't realize until afterward that she's the director of Edge of 17. She clearly has just got like a touch for this young adult drama. She said she wrote a letter to Judy Bloom. And just broke down everything that the book meant to her and said, like, P.S., I wrote Edge of Seventeen in case that means anything. Turns out Judy Bloom freaking loved that movie. That's what allowed them to click. She said she had Judy Bloom on the set all the time in order to be able to create uh, a lot of the sequences, getting her input on it. Um, you know you have a good director when you're listening to her interviews and she makes you cry just talking about how much the book meant to her to adapt. All of that is on screen. I thought they killed mm-hmm. it. Uh, she killed it. Everybody involved. Uh, it's the story of Margaret who was raised by a family who has not chosen to impose either religion on her. Uh, yeah. Her dad is Jewish. She has a similar Jewish. story to me in that the father's side is Jewish, the mother's side is Christian, and they've chosen, like, no, you don't need any of that. <laughs> Almost to the point where they're like, uh, you get to choose, but, like, also you're not going to choose. And exactly, it creates yeah. a, a, an interesting dynamic because it's not obviously just the parents, but it's also the parents' parents. How do they get involved in that? And that's where you have... Uh, a, a great just cast. The, the parents are fantastic because seeing uh, Benny Safdie just continue to go outside of his directorial duties and do a lot of these just supporting performances, ah, he's just so likable. Rachel McAdams obviously kills mm-hmm. it because if you go back and reread the book, which I, I, I have it uh, linked up ready to because watching the movie, I was like, no, this is a parent's story just as much as it is the kid's story. And I loved her performance as the mom. Abby Ryder Fortson, do you remember where she was from in Marvel? Uh, no, you have to remind me. Ant-Man. They did her dirty oh, and kicked her out. She's one of the, the recast daughters. She's Cassie, and they had the best thing going for them for two movies, and then they got rid of her. I understand she wasn't old enough for the new stuff, but nah. She is absolutely fantastic in this movie in the way that she almost like switches between when she's talking to her parents, when she's talking to her friends, when she's talking to a teacher, but even, of course, mm-hmm. when she's talking to herself, to God, I thought... All of that uh, just showcases how great of an actress she is. Yeah, Kathy Bates it's the kind. The show. <laughs> Kathy Bates is great. Uh, d- it's just not to, fair. yeah, talk some um, good stuff about uh, the lead. Exactly, just to give Abby a little bit more glow. Like the ki- the lead in these child stories is so important, and being able to sort of like ride that line between you know, naivete, but also not seeming completely like clueless, just sort of being authentically. Uh, opening up to the world and, and not being like cloying or, or like too cutesy about it either. I just thought her performance was really, really excellent. Like navigate, like navigating all those uh, moments in a way that feels authentic, being able to sell that not being able to go to a trip on a trip to Florida is the worst thing that could happen to you imaginable. <laughs> yeah. Nah, I, I thought she was great in this movie. Every Everyone fires on all cylinders. I saw this with a group of uh, elderly people to my left. The one dude who was a part of them was the one who ended up loving it the most. He was cackling. Nice. He was, like, laughing. I think I caught him crying a couple of times. So this mm-hmm. hits on all cylinders. I don't think it matters what age you are. Uh, obviously, Absolutely it's not. got, like, its spiritual, religious, you know, uh, tones to it. I recommend this movie to everybody. Uh, if this is, you know, the start of a lot of her adaptations, then I think they're off to a good start. I hope that they mm-hmm. get to Super Fudge. Uh, and they, they 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 adapt it with the same care that they did for this movie because, uh, yeah, this was a blast. I took my whole family to see it, and I would highly, highly recommend it. If you get the chance to, this is one worth leaving the house to go see in theaters. Uh, yeah. Recommend it as well absolutely and and whether or not you are as you mentioned like of the age where it would you know resonate with you i think yeah like i think the other thing they did that's smart from my understanding is they there was a lot less 
story involving the parents and the grandparents in the actual book. Like it's really Margaret's POV. So the adults are kind of more unknowable. And I thought they made, they gave Rachel McAdams a really like beautiful heartwarming kind of arc in, in that she's really just trying her, her best in this role and struggling. And, and, you know, there's just that, that gap that mothers and daughters end up having. And I don't know. I, I thought the whole thing was really sweet. Rachel McAdams really, really great in it. Um, I make this required viewing in schools. I don't know. man. I, I thought this was phenomenal. So two thumbs up from the intercut boys. Uh, I agree with Zach. Roll this out when y'all don't want to teach. It, it'll be teaching a lot more lessons. The uh, next up is definitely comment. not one. I was going to just What's quickly up? mention, we got a comment on the live stream from Josh. Did you like it more than The Edge of Seventeen? Because that is also a very lovely coming-of-age story. <sighs> All right. This one is rated PG-13. What is the rating on... Edge of Seventeen, because that's the difference to me between both of these movies, is that I feel one is definitely more, yeah, I think that kind of answers it. Edge of Seventeen is rated R, and I think it's perfect for Mm -hmm. that demographic. I think this is one that you could definitely bring the whole family to, and it doesn't matter what age you are, it's going to hit. You probably need to be 17 to watch this one. Uh, (laughs) This is the the prequel to Edge of Seventeen, that's how I put it, yeah. Yeah, Both great. I, I think Both they're great. pretty. I, I think they're honestly on a pretty equal level. I, I I feel like maybe "Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret" is better than more films of its like age range, yeah. right? Like the mm-hmm. for, it's one of the best preteen coming of age stories I've seen, and I love Edge of Seventeen as well. But yeah, it's it's just ultimately for a different de- demographic. It's a little more adult, um, and I'm I really respect how they were able to do Margaret, even the the period elements of it, which put it in a time and place, but don't make it feel dated. It still feels very resonant today. Fantastic. Kelly Freeman Craig, two for two in my books. Moving on to the next one that we've got is a little war action movie that comes from a lot of the people who worked on John Wick. And they've been pitching this as John Wick goes World War II. Uh, We both got to cover this a little bit last week. They had like a lot of early screenings for this. This took all the dobies. It was a really big, you know, technical movie of the week. Sisu by Jamari Hellander. It is the story of a man who is completely indestructible and (laughs) takes down all of these Nazis. If this is an Mm -hmm. action movie... Uh, that piqued your interest off the trailer. Just know that the trailer is perfection in my eyes. The movie, not so much. Uh, To me, if you want a movie where the character has the same powers as all of those uh, superheroes in the Fast and Furious franchise where they're indestructible, then you got yourself a movie here. I think that John Wick still finds a way to tire him out and make him feel like a real person who's fighting. This felt like a demigod. And that kind of took a lot away from the movie for me. Um, a lot of people have been calling this Mad Max where he's just going through the desert killing people left and right. Uh, I don't know what you yeah, would compare I don't, to. I don't really love the Mad Max comparison because I think Mad Max fully has there. a certain... It's it, there, it's maybe there a little bit, but there's like a chaotic non-stop, relentless energy yeah. to Mad Max and I don't find Cece to be that creative. I think it's a little more in line with John Wick, but not as balletic and not as non-stop. And, and yeah. I also just don't like it as much as I like John Wick. So I don't know. No. I mean, it's it certainly there's enough there that'll satisfy the, the action film fans out there. And there's certainly like memorable scenes. But I, I found it to be a bit repetitive. I felt found I found like I got the point. And it didn't yeah. really go a lot deeper than that unless you're very interested in the creative kills and ways that Sisu's able to stay alive. Exactly. I think people see dirt and they just go Mad Max. That actually has a story with a couple of stakes. This doesn't really have that many stakes, so it has a feeling like a lot of really cool set pieces. But the way they get from point A to point B, yeah, it's not as not as cohesive as I wanted it to be. But nonetheless, uh, definitely check out that trailer. The trailer is incredible in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, It kind of reminds me of. I know you like Skinnamore Rink a lot more, but I still stand that Skinnamore Rink is a six out of five trailer. (laughs) And then I didn't care too much for the movie. This another Mm -hmm. one. The trailer's fantastic. Uh, I sadly would say wait for it on rental. It's still worth uh, capturing it in you know a good 7.1 Dolby Atmos surround sound. So if it intrigues you, go to the theaters. But I think story-wise, it doesn't have that John Wing factor. So to me, wait for it at home. How about you? 
Uh, yeah, definitely a wait at home for me. I, I was a bit uh, let down by it, especially so after split. the trailer. It's, yeah, it's two and a half, but I want to give it three for the action. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna have to keep it. I at went two, two and, and a half. half. Yeah. Yeah, that story just. Uh, there's this one dealing with rope. I could not, and that's so late in the game. I don't yeah. know if you remember the rope one. I was like, come on. All right, we're getting a little yeah, too far yeah. here. Not even Vin Diesel can get away with something like this done. I, I know, yeah. Uh, they can continue it if they want, I guess. Sisu 2 yeah, and Sisu 3. apparently immortal. He's immortal. So uh, Sisu, in theaters now, it's got the full Dolby treatment. So catch it if you are interested in it. The one I would recommend a little bit more, mm. just barely at that junior price, is a movie we skipped last week. we got two here. The first one being Chevalier. Ch- Chevalier. Chevalier. I kept saying like Chevrolet. They say it so many times in the movie. It is the title that is given to this lost musician, a prodigy that is played by the one and only Calvin Harrison Jr. This one premiered at, it premiered at TIFF, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Um, and had kind of a limited release. It should be fully out. It's the story of what they're pitching as the Black Mozart. I heard mm-hmm. a lot of people talking about an incredible intro and an incredible uh, outro to this and, and a movie that was kind of okay in the middle. The intro is pretty great. The outro's all right. <laughs> I thought it was a decent movie. I wanted it to be a little yeah. bit better, but nonetheless, I like Calvin Harrison Jr. And it was uh, interesting to see a prodigy who goes through so many um, loops and, and just uh, has to go behind people's back in order to create these projects, this music uh, that will end up getting lost in history. So even while you're watching mm-hmm. this movie, you don't know how much of it is true because they're barely discovering all the stuff that was discarded about this guy because they were jealous about him. Uh, it's one of those that we always talk about where it's like they haven't made the Chevalier movie yet. But this yeah. is a good kind of like recap on it. I don't know how okay. you felt. Uh, I, they pulled it from the AMC near me. I wanted I wanted to see it, but th- they yeah, they, it? it's a yeah, like just in and out in in like a week, which I'm really upset about because I I wanted to see what our boy Kelvin was getting up to. I, I'm curious though because like it seems it seems like they're balancing this whole like music career of his with sort of a more like romantic or more maybe more like uh, a f- various affairs that he had. Would yeah. you say like it? It balanced those elements well, or you are much more interested, it sounds like, in the music side of things? It's balancing everything decently because Calvin Harrison is also doing the like the violin. He actually practiced it himself. It pays nice. off, especially that intro scene. So I was like, all right, I'm in on that. Let me hear more about your music. And they don't get there. They could give you a little bit more, and they don't. Uh, mm. With him having to make all these artistic... Uh, I was going to say decisions, but really it's compromises. They don't get as far as they could. The romantic side, same thing. He is a black man in France, right? So no one really wants to mess with him. But obviously he stands out amongst the crowd, not just because of who he is, but because he really does have that talent. The movie, talking about the ending, gets into a hole where it tries to preach more than focus in on the character study Hmm. of this man. And it starts looking back at him as like a lost figure as opposed to just focusing in on his point of view and his story, if that makes any sense. The ending feels like a rally call. And I'm like, sure, but it kind of felt like it should have been more introspective, uh, considering that you were kind of going through his life. Um, It's one of those that's long. It's almost reaching two hours, yet it's not long enough to tell his story. Miniseries treatment probably would have been the best. I would have definitely stuck Mm. with Calvin Harrison Jr. It doesn't do much wrong, but it could have done a lot more. And again, that could be because a lot of the stuff still is missing uh, that they're discovering. And uh, I'd be very curious to see a full in-depth documentary on the man because I'm sure that can get even crazier. But hey, they have a lot of big people in there. Samara Weaving uh, plays someone who he gets really attracted to and wants to build a play with. Lucy Boynton plays Marie Antoinette. So they have a lot of discussions (laughs) where you're like, I don't know how much of this is real or not, but okay. Yeah. Uh, I I would still recommend it. I think it's worth an A price if it's playing near you. If not, I think it'd be a a decent enough rent it when you get at home just because of Mm -hmm. what he did uh, in practicing to, to play this character. So I thought that was dope. Chevalier out in theaters now, but should be out back home very soon. Mm-hmm. Same thing with this upcoming movie here, Somewhere in Queens. The, I don't want to say directorial debut. I don't want to say, I guess I have to say it. Directorial debut for one okay. Ray Romano. Coming in yeah. with uh, a movie that he's also starring in with Laurie Metcalf, who, Laurie Metcalf's going to be at the Steppenwolf. And I told Alina, hey, get the calendar ready. Laurie's going to be here. Mm-hmm. And she's like, 
that she want to watch for? I'm like, bro, Miss Ladybird? Miss Scream 2? She watches this movie. This girl was checking the dates <laughs> to see when we could book it. I'm like, yes, it's Laurie Metcalf. She will steal yeah. any show. She steals I know this we're, movie, man. I know we're not supposed to compliment Louis C.K. projects anymore, but she has a monologue in Horace and Pete, which is, that's like one of the most devastating things I've ever heard. What's that? Is it a show? Yeah, yeah. The It's the show that he like self-produced at one point. Interesting. I saw, <laughs> I saw he's got prior a special. Prior to cancellation. Just, just for its worth, prior to cancellation. What cancellation, dude? He's got his fourth <laughs> special out. <laughs> I haven't heard it yet, but clearly that thing's sold out and he's got streaming rights. Mm-hmm. Somewhere in Queens, though, is a rated R comedy, which I've been so delighted to see this year. I've heard a lot of people complaining about, oh, these rated R rom-coms has been a big talk. <laughs> uh, rated R comedies. What's with all that? Man. I am so happy. I know people are complaining about the upcoming Jennifer Lawrence one because they think it's too raunchy. Y'all ask for more sex in movies, all these different things. They're finally (laughs) giving it to you and you complain until it's here and then you pretend people didn't complain. This is a nice, lighthearted movie. It feels like it's got that PG-13 energy but isn't afraid to get into the art territory because of where it goes. You have, uh, I wouldn't really call it a dysfunctional family, but a family that's kind of bored. They've mm-hmm. got a son who's trying to make it into the playoffs, or not playoffs, but uh, into college off of a scholarship. And Ray Romano's kind of worried because he also has this girlfriend who may not be willing to stay with him the whole time. And he feels, man, I got to kind of convince her, maybe even pay her to stay so that he can get this scholarship. And let's just say Lori Metcalf isn't going with that. Um, I, th- I thought it was hilarious. I thought this was a good movie that is worth going out to theaters we had the privilege to see it at home because we got screening uh links for it uh as a rent it i would highly give this a thumbs up i thought ray romano did a good job with his uh direction and just he owns this character that Mm -hmm. look that he gives for the 90 minutes of this movie i just feel like that's his energy when you meet him and i just can't imagine him switching that off to action cut i don't that that made me laugh more (laughs) than the sequences in the film but yeah uh overall what'd you think well, I mean, like, he's got a lot of experience playing, like, an Italian-American family man. In some ways, this movie feels l- like a like a big-screen version of Everybody Loves Raymond. Like, it's not too far from that character. Uh, you know, it's interesting, too, because we've been, you know, as people who watch a lot of movies, it's been really interesting to see the places that Ray Romano has popped up in the past few years. You know, he did that uh, Duplass movie, uh, the Paddleton. He was a supporting role mm. in Bad Education. He's in The Irishman. Oh, he was like, he's, great in Bad Education. Yeah, and has a really fantastic turn in The Big Sick that a lot of people were hoping he'd even get an Oscar nomination for. So he's a guy who, ha- despite his history as a stand-up comedian, as at a uh, leading a sitcom, he's kind of put on some more dramatic clothing from time to time. And I, I guess maybe I was like, I don't know. It was, it was, I was interested to see now that he's assuming the role of a director, how heavily he would lean towards the dramatic versus how heavily he would lean towards the comedic. He, he kind of like splits the difference in this one. Like it's a solid dramedy with some, some good jokes, not necessarily like the most hilarious thing you'll see this year, but, but solidly funny. Um, and it's just, it's in his bag, right? I think, like you said, he's so perfect at playing that sort of beleaguered guy. Like he, when he goes slack jawed in disbelief, it's just funny. Like you don't, you don't really need him to say lines at that point. He knows, he does (laughs) it well. So yeah. So it's, I think I'm on the same page as you is that maybe it's not a full, like go to the theater, uh, type of movie, but as a, as a rental, which Given that it's sort of a smaller release, it probably will be available on VOD very soon if it isn't already. Yeah, I, I think it's a solid, uh, entertaining time. Do you remember him Somewhere in, in uh, Queens? I don't know if you finished it. Made for Love? Oh, I know I never Do finished it, but yeah. Do you remember what his role is in this? <laughs> in Made for Love? <laughs> yes. Yeah, where he's like dating a sex doll or something. <laughs> I appreciate where he's willing to go. I'm curious to yeah. see what's next. You know, I, I, just the fact that he's willing to be kooky with it. Uh, yeah, I love Ray Romano. And uh, like I said, I have we have one more to mention later. I think you caught up on this series. That's going to be coming to Peacock as well. He just, yeah, we're, we're, his funniest it, we're stuff is still on to that come. one technically, just for what it's worth. You can't say anything? I don't think so. Not until the third. 
All right, I won't say anything. I'll just say that it's coming up later on. <laughs> Somewhere in Queens, <laughs> in theaters. Yeah. should be on VOD soon. Uh, we got a little wrap-up of three that came out uh, either in theaters, on VOD, on streaming that we've caught in previous festivals. The first being yep. Polite Society. We caught this over at Sundance, so we have... Uh, a lot of discussions that we did there, but this has been like a pretty big uh, rollout. I know Amanda was surprised that they had uh, posters f- over there near her small theater, but we've yeah. we've known when we see these lineups, there's always in these independent festivals a mm-hmm. big movie. Uh, I don't even know where I left mine, to be honest with you. I think I have them over there. They have stacks of posters for you to take everywhere. I've been to Regal. I've been to AMC. They've just got Polite Society posters for your leisure. It's a Focus Features big film that was bought before it even premiered at Sundance. So they had the money going yeah. for this one. And it was decent. Uh, I was really anticipated for it. And then some in our group saw it and were like, it's cute. It's all right. So by the time I got it, yeah. you know, I had my my anticipation was a little bit lower. And I still found it to be really cute. Um, but I think we both found a lot of the swishes and zaniness to kind of be amped up to 13 when 8 would have sufficed. Yeah, I think we were also unfortunately a bit poisoned by the initial buzz out of Sundance comparing this to everything everywhere all at once. Like this is this movie is a lot of things, but it is not as like zany or stuffed full of things as a Daniels film. Uh, To me, the closest parallel is is like maybe Scott Pilgrim. But even then, like I think Edgar Wright layers more things in. Uh, This is like a a much more preteen kind of version of that. And like like you were saying. The, the gag just kind of grows a little bit old. I feel like the action choreography could have been tighter as well. I, I like the ideas that it's portraying because the main character is an aspiring stunt woman. So she kind of almost views the world in the terms of a movie with bad guys and good guys. But the bad guys are trying to help her sister get married to the guy that she's dating. You know, like the the idea of her sister getting married and no longer hanging out with her is the big evil looming over this movie. So it's cute, but it just, I don't know, maybe not as, as, as rich as I would hope. Uh, It looks it for the most part, it looks good, uh, but maybe it's just sort of like a, 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 a launching point for its director, uh, Nita Manzur, who are, this is the biggest thing that she's done. So maybe like this will help bring her to the thing she does next. But I don't know if this is like the thing that she'll be remembered for, at least. Uh, I agree. I know someone had just mentioned the chat about how close it is to Scott Pilgrim. To me, it's the sound effects, not so much yeah. the story, but it's like the whole whip pannings, uh, a lot yeah. of the like zoom ins and such. That's where it kind of to me was like going over the top for it and I didn't feel it needed it. Uh, I think you reel that back, you have a much better movie. And it does make me excited mm-hmm. for what they may have in the future. Um, but I would still recommend it. I think it's a decent rent uh a cute sisterly story. So yeah, put it on your radar if you're interested in it. The newest of the Sundance releases out in theaters. But Focus Features does a pretty good job at flipping them within the month. So it might be available at home. Yeah. Another one that is available at home through Mubi. I don't know if you've ever gotten a Mubi, if you've done the jump over there, if you tried their Mubi Go. I've had Mubi? it. I, I let it go, but I'll probably get it back at some point. Yeah, they don't have bad movies in there. I've noticed, for the most part, yeah. it's a lot of these festival movies uh, that don't play in theaters. They just go straight there. Uh, you could call it the Rival to Criterion. They picked up Winter Boy. It is uh, a French film that I was able to catch in Chicago. Did some coverage over there about this young boy who loses his father, and he kind of comes... Uh, onto his own as he's finding his own sexual identity uh, and also kind of grappling not just with his family in the aftermath of that passing um, but also the new acquaintances he makes along the way. Julia Pinoche plays his mom. It's fantastic as always but also just to lead here uh, the young boy he's, he's really good um, in just a lot of the uh, close-ups there's a, a lot of his acting relies on just catching him off guard to see how he's coping, how he's reacting to a lot of the pressure. And I thought he did a really great job. So if you're interested in it, it is over on Mubi, uh, who's picked up a lot of really big films. I remember we joked, they damn near got the whole con lineup a couple years ago. So uh, Mubi, I think it's still worth the bucks. Um, But they keep raising the prices. So I don't know about that, but Mubi, a good addition this week. It's a good service. Good service. The last one, which we both caught at New York, is finally out. A movie that we've seen a lot of parallels to many others, RMN. A movie about a bread factory that has hired international help, and a lot of the people in this community don't like that. 
and mm-hmm. everything implodes on it. Um, no Bears also screened at New York. There was a couple of other ones from Chicago, like somewhere over the chemtrails that kind of have this xenophobic type of storyline where the community doesn't know if they should keep them or not. And there's uh, a lot of parallels there to the history of said towns and how they may have already gone through this in the past. This one's kind of grown on me. I did not get the chance to rewatch this one, but I think it has a lot mm-hmm. of interesting themes, especially because it's also the story of a father who's dealing with everything that's happening in the town and whether he wants to agree with them or not. But he also kind of has to teach his son uh, what he needs to do in the future, either to grow up to be the man that he wants him to be. And also, interestingly enough, plays with that no bears mentality again that we covered in last week's uh, selection of the documentary No Bears. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I think those two would make a really interesting double feature. One is a narrative, and then the other one is that pseudo-doc narrative. Um, I don't know if you've been listening to any other interviews or how the movie's... Uh, stuck with you, but RMN in theaters. Yeah, I, I haven't really had a chance to revisit it much other than just, you know, thinking back to it and hearing the occasional person comment on it. And, you know, it's a movie that is pretty dense. There's a lot of different storylines and characters and through lines going on in the film. And I found... I found it maybe a bit hard to follow. We, we This is one of those films that I think we saw at like a 10 a.m. screening or something like that where maybe uh, my mind wasn't at 100% capacity at that point. It does all culminate in this one scene, this maybe like 17-minute long take, something like that. I don't know if you remember how long it was. Uh, which the is village talk? Absolutely. It's absolutely fantastic. And it takes all the things that you've been hearing about and maybe not fully understanding and has them sort of collide in a way that I found really riveting. Um, I wish I was as riveted by the rest of the film, although, you know, maybe if I revisit it, especially now that I've seen where it went and and what it's sort of trying to say about like immigration and communities and stuff like that, uh, I might be a little bit more with it, but yeah, it's, it's definitely not going to be uh, the most penetrable of, of movies. You have to like sit down ready to have your brain exercised a bit. That town hall scene, I think that's probably the one that stuck with me the most. I thought that was pretty yeah, well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it it turns into like a debate <laughs> pretty much between the town. Uh, this mm-hmm. one is out in Limited, but again, should also have a flip unless, I don't know, Mubi probably bought this one too, so it should be coming out there eventually. Uh, RMN. Let's get into our streaming picks for the week. I'm going to start with one that you were able to catch I was watching another one off Shutter, so I didn't get to catch Clock, but I also didn't finish the other one, and they're kind of similar. The other one has um, not Brittany Snow, Anna Camp. It's on Shutter, um, but tell me about Clock because it reminded me of when we saw it at South by. Yeah, uh, so Clock is a new straight to Hulu horror film about a woman who is getting older in terms of pregnancy. She's getting close to her 38th birthday, uh, played by Diana Agron. Uh, and if you know Love anything it. about right. uh, pregnancies in, in your 30s, they once you get to that age, they start referring to you as a geriatric pregnancy, which is, I'm sure, the thing that everybody who uh, is not yet 40 wants to hear described about themselves. Um, clock is basically about her biological clock and her uh, attempts to fix it, right? She... As a woman who's getting closer to 40, she feels like the societal pressure is telling her that she should be having a baby. That's the next step in your life. She's happy with her husband, but uh, society tells you you want something more. But she is not interested in it. She feels like there's something wrong with her. So she goes through various sort of trials to try and fix it. And, you know, it's an interesting idea. I just kind of feel like it's handled in an extremely boring an unre- unrewarding way. Uh, there's the these different images of like, like they try to use the imagery of a clock with its hand swinging and parallel it to like umbilical cords, and it's just sort of like weird and fake looking, and not the the scares that happen are all very um, they're they're very like showy. They're not really like coming up upon you and and scaring you they it's like let's stop and have our moment where something happens in a way that just felt too too prescribed a little bit too uh calculated and not not authentic right like I, i just never really bought into the characters as believable people uh it, it just sort of 
I don't know. The execution was off to me, so I, I really would skip Clock. I think there's other films that deal with the whole maternal pregnant, the maternal scares, and uh, the idea of like pregnancy is this uh, horrifying thing to go through in much more interesting ways than this one did. Fair enough. Uh, there was one at South by called Scrambled. Reminds me of how you introed this one, where the doctor says, "Please don't say you're 34. Please don't say you're 34." <laughs> Yeah, I mean that's the that's so, maybe the comedy version of it, but sure. Yeah. So coming up, we have Peter and Wendy, the Disney Plus. Thought this was gonna go to theaters. They hired David Lawry, who previously did another big adaptation for them, which was the uh, Peach Dragon one. Got a lot of people from there to be able to make an independent film, and he's been really good of making like a big one for them, one for me. This new mm-hmm. one is his take on Peter Pan and Wendy. Everyone complained about this movie being too dark. The IMDb ratings were turned off for this movie for, like, the whole opening weekend uh, until recently. It's out. I don't hate it. No. But they did completely make it drastically different. I went to go rewatch the the first one, the original one. I didn't realize they put a tag on that one as well. Uh, Disney's been adding, like, intros saying... The stuff in this movie, we don't stand by it, but it doesn't tell you what in the movie, so they still kind of showcase it to you. (laughs) So I'm curious, like, what the learning lesson is there. Um, This, I assume, fixes it. Uh, It changes a little bit of stuff within the film. If you know the story of Peter Pan and Wendy, Peter Pan comes in, takes these kids, they go back to the Lost Boys, who aren't really the Lost Boys anymore, going up against Captain Hook, who's going up against Peter Pan. A lot of the themes are still there, and a lot of the themes really resonated with me, and I thought worked a lot better here than they may have in previous adaptations. Mm-hmm. But then it also switches a lot of what the character motivations are originally in the tale. I didn't mind the darkness of it. I think the yeah. movie came out at the wrong time because you released this pre-2011 and people would have ate this up. We're just in a color moment right now. Everybody wants to have colorful movies. Colors are yeah. back in cinemas. So no one wants the dreary stuff. I think they just... They, uh, it, it's wrong timing on, on, on their part with it. Um, but I didn't think it was terrible. However, the internet's not yeah. going to take that. But I think it's an interesting spin on tale. No, there, there's definitely a lot of interesting stuff here. And I don't think it's necessarily the most successful uh, film in general or even necessarily the most successful of these Disney adaptations of animated movies into live action although most of them are pretty dreadful this is better than most of them um, I, it's interesting to see Lowry who is this filmmaker that's interested in much broader ideas and much more interesting stuff try to apply some of that here I think there are echoes of the Green Knight in this movie just elements of like anxiety and and expectation and gender role and stuff like that all sort of uh are mirrored in the two movies that being said like it's a little bit it doesn't dive as deep because it is still a peter pan movie and they're they do some things to kind of streamline elements of the story to get rid of some problematic stuff but they also lengthen other things in weird ways, like giving like the whole Captain Hook backstory they added. I don't know what you thought about that uh, element that was new. Yeah, again, that switching out some of the Lost Boys, like they're they're like fixing a previous problem, but it almost creates a dent in what the whole point of the story is. Uh, but again, that's if you're comparing it to the classic, which. I mean, yeah, you kind of have to. That's why it is a Peter Pan yeah. adaptation. Um, but I don't why they made the first, the, yeah, this new one. Yeah, so uh, I don't know. I'm I'm indifferent sometimes to the changes because it it's not as uh, it doesn't fix everything as much as they want to. It reminds me of the West Side Story yeah. where they fixed a lot of the previous stuff, but so did the previous one, and so did the previous one. So in 20 years' mm-hmm. time, there'll be somebody else who fixes whatever the last one had. Yeah, uh, well, all, I, I still think all it's of an them are all. Route. All of them are ultimately just reflections of the times they were made, right? And and that's 100%. going to be the thing that will be interesting about it 20 years from now is like this is what at least a studio assumed uh, the times called for. And, and you yeah. know, that again goes to uh, the the lighting 
that we're talking about too, because that is kind of the look of these big blockbusters now that have these very like overly dark interiors. And then occasionally we'll get these exteriors that are much uh, much more vibrant because they are actually using natural lighting. And, and with this film, all the stuff that people complained about, I had none of those issues whenever they would just go outside. Like there's a lot of stuff that was in in daylight that looks great even though it wasn't necessarily like as colorful as the animated yeah. stuff it still looked great and you could see it all uh but when they're inside it's it's just super super dark and and spotlit and too motivated by trying to make the light seem like it's coming from natural sources rather than just remembering we're all in a movie and it doesn't have to be that natural and that's from of two minds yes there is this whole thing that's happening between a lot of blockbusters doing that you don't think that that's David's style? It's definitely partially David's style, but it's also just sort of like the the Disney house style for these live action adaptations recently. Like they all are a bit underlit and, and like just, yeah, yeah. Trying to make it feel a little bit too real in a way that like doesn't complement how fantastical these stories are. Like they're not reality. They, they shouldn't necessarily try to portray themselves that way. How do you feel about the fishes in uh, Little Mermaid? Everyone's upset that they're not more cartoony, but they're more live action, yet they're still doing the cartoony things, right? Like you just said. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, choose. I feel like you got to choose your lane. Either you're going to go yeah. cartoony or you got to go realistic. And, and, and everything splitting else the has difference to go just puts it. you in a, like a weird, uncanny valley. For sure. Also, they're meant to be in theaters. Like, that's the reason why they shoot it. That I always call back to the Game of Thrones cinematographer. I get what he was saying. But he also sounded like an idiot saying, we shot these in really expensive cameras for really expensive TVs. And it's like, but not everybody has one. And I think it's pretty bogus Mm -hmm. to tell people that. Uh, I don't know. They should have given it the chance to at least play in theaters. But clearly, they did not have the faith for it. Uh, I still think it's criticize that. I feel like we can criticize that a little bit more on a movie like Peter Pan and Wendy versus a, a show like Game of Thrones. Because, like... A Game of Thrones is made to be watched in the evening on your biggest, best TV. A movie like Peter Mm -hmm. Pan and Wendy is made to be watched over and over and over again by your child on Disney Plus in the middle of the day when the lights, when when the sun is out and all the windows are open. So, like, if you can't see it under those conditions, then maybe they did have some error in their calculation. Fair. Peter Pan and Wendy, the art house version of them by David Lowry, out on Disney+. Plus. This next one is the most child-friendly thing that we've had since there was a 10-year-old, I think, in the audience for the recording <laughs> of John Mulaney's Baby J. Yeah. You're a big John Mulaney fan, right? I think you're a bigger yeah. fan than I am, at least. Yeah, I mean, I, I think he's very funny, at the very least. John Mulaney's had interesting... He's had an interesting 2020s is what I'll say. This documentary or this stand-up kind of covers a lot of that. You may have, I'm sure everybody recognizes his voice for the most part if you've seen him or heard him in a lot of voice acting. Maybe you've seen a couple of his specials. I went back and rewatched all of his specials except for Kid Kid Gorgeous. Um, Nice. This is his best one. And I don't think think it's even close. I don't think it's Hmm. even close. I think he cuts out a lot of the BS that he had prior. And he cuts more to the chase. I was a little worried, considering everything that had happened, that he was going to try to squeak away from it. Bro, to me, this is someone taking the biggest hit and being able to roll with the punches. I was extremely impressed with Mm -hmm. how he was able to formulate and put this together. I would highly recommend it. Yeah, it's very interesting uh, for sure, because as he addresses in the special, like one of the things that has sort of elevated John Mulaney to the platform he has is he's seems like this very likable guy. And then all of a sudden that likability factor was under under assault by by just various things that happened in his real life. Some of his own design, some maybe not. Uh, But. Yeah, and, and uh, the whole likability is a prison thing. I thought it was a very funny way to start this thing off. I I don't know if I would say this is his best special. I don't know what is. I, I think while it's really interesting, I, I think it might be the least funny I found him. And that's okay. Really? Because he's being he's being very personal and vulnerable in an interesting way that maybe makes that. the storytelling a little more compelling than in some of his previous specials. So 
like it's it's certainly a very funny special, but it's also confessional in this way that Mulaney his style of comedy is not normally that confessional. When he does tell something from his personal life, it's simply as context for a joke. Whereas here, it's he kind of knows he has to explain some things for his audience that's extremely curious uh, about what's been going on with him. So, I don't know. I, I liked it a lot. I think it is interesting to see him really wrestle with maintaining his style but under the guise of not being in the right uh like he he's he finds an interesting way of portraying himself as like almost like the unreliable narrator as he's narrating which i think worked really well um it's a it's a fascinating special i i am definitely curious to see like if this is going to be more of his style going forward or if he's going to become a little bit more just jokes after he gets this off his chest. But yeah, I liked it a lot. Baby J back on the streets. Uh, when I rewatched <laughs> his previous ones, he did get into that form of talking. There was one of his early ones. He mentions how he had gone to rehab before our AA for drinking. And I was like, yeah. okay, he's taking the storytelling that he's kind of done in the past and taking it to almost like an interweaving narrative. Uh, I watched mm-hmm. it two times. When I watched it again, I thought the opening credit was really interesting. I liked it the first time around. The second time around, he puts things in the opening credit that have to do with stories that he tells later on. And then you mm. realize a lot of the setups of those stories later on, he's already doing the punchlines before you realize why he's doing it. I think it's a mm. super tight set. Uh, I think it's the tightest that he's done so far. Uh, I'm really curious to see what he does next. Um, and if you listen to a lot of his interviews for this, he's kind of done the whole stand-up, at least the punchline jokes, on Seth yeah. Meyers, on a lot of the, the people on who Kimmel. were a part of his intervention. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, dude, you heard him say on Kimmel that he stayed in his guest house? Yeah. <laughs> I wish I had friends like John Mulaney. Right? Uh or a stand-up special. His newest one, like I said, is over on Netflix. I highly recommend it. Um, John Mulaney, Baby J. Pretty good. Uh, before we move on to our picks for the week, Zach, give a shout-out to all the Inner Cutie patrons that we have yeah, over Yeah, let's Patreon. give a quick shout-out to some Inner Cuties. They are our patrons on the Academy level, including... Tushar, Cademan, Connor, Pete, May, Ricky, Joe, Janicia... And Tyler, and of course, we got to give a big thanks to those producer-level patrons, Udenvir, Sam, and Wiley. Thanks again for all the support, and a reminder that you too can become a member at patreon.com slash intercutpod, where you can sign up for patron benefits like early access to intercut episode outlines, access to private channels on the intercut discord, uh getting your name mentioned on the podcast. You can get an invitation to our monthly patron Google meetings where we hang out and talk about movies and sometimes deliberate on what's coming up later on the show, including choosing the movies for our our upcoming A24 bracket. All those fun things are accessible for as little as $1 a month on patreon.com slash intercut pod. This next week for May, pretty much all of May, kind of okay it's kind of decent i think you begin with probably the biggest movie and then it's like nothing up until the end uh but this week has a bunch of good stuff one of the ones that we did not get to mention that is playing on a weekly basis is love and death over on hbo i was not expecting there to be that much sex on this show but i kept turning around and just seeing them continue to go and go and go (laughs) have you heard the theories on jesse plemons Jesse no, Clemens must that? have something on producers because he gets nothing but beautiful women around him. I'm like, that's just the Jesse Plemons effect. <laughs> yeah. uh, Love and Death has begun over on HBO, the TV miniseries that Just Like Candy uh, is covering the story of a really crazy murder. Uh, I have that not as one of my picks of the week, but did want to mention it uh, as it started beginning this week. What I do have, and I'm curious how you felt about it, my first one is Guardians of the Galaxy 3. I came out of this liking it, but a little iffy. And the Mm -hmm. more that's gone by, I like it for one reason. It's not so much a goodbye to the Guardians as it is a goodbye to James Gunn. And I think if you view it that way, I know Caitlin's a huge James Gunn fan. I'm very curious what what she thinks about it. This felt like this man said, hey, yo, I know the Guardians are Marvel. They will continue. He's going on to DC, which means his entire team. It's not just been him. It's been him and his brother and everyone who films on these movies. 
They're DC employees now. I don't know. There was something about that aspect of it that I really, really loved as the goodbye. Because mm-hmm. it's not. It's it's more of a see you later for the Guardians. They're going to be doing something else. But uh, I got to catch the Dobie of this. I think you did as well. I don't know if they mm-hmm. gave you anything, but bro, Chicago just continued. Nah. I got more. Bro, man. I got more hats than Kevin Feige over here, man. Look at these hats. <laughs> just, just, it's, they just don't stop. Like I'm not, I'm not wearing this, but I'm going to have a whole collection of hats, like a like a sneakerhead. Um, <laughs> Uh, I really liked it. I, I I don't know if you had the thumbs up on this one. I'm not going to be yeah. one of those ones who says it's the best since the last one, the best since Endgame. No, it's just, it's a good movie. I'm proud of James Gunn. Man, I'll do it. I'll do it if you won't. I think it's the best one since Endgame. I like this one. Uh, yeah. I like this one quite a okay. bit. I like this one more than, I like this one more than two. I might even liked it about as much as I liked one. I thought it whoa, was whoa, really good. One's tight. I thought it was really good. I thought it was and I don't know, I tweeted this, but I don't know if it's just like a cool drink of water in the MCU desert, but it is so extremely refreshing to get one of these that has a sense of visual style, has a sense of spacing, has shots that feel like they exist in a space, a foreground and a background that isn't just like weird blotches of color like that that characters feel written specifically to be those characters and not just whoever feels like they can get in the fan the funny quip that somebody in the marvel writers room came up with right like this feels personal it feels specific and it feels like it's authored in a way that none of these movies have felt like since Endgame since maybe before Endgame, and that's what wow. I like want from these films is a little bit of of personalization and, and that personality. So I get that I get that there's some stuff in there that fans are going to be upset with. I get that a lot of people seem to be very sensitive about how it handles cute little animals, but yes, yeah. this, this is one of the ones that's actually really good. It's it was a lot darker than I expected it to be. But again, that's James Gunn. Uh, I also think it's very funny that for months and months and months and months, all I heard about this movie is, oh, do you think Rocket's going to die? Oh, maybe they're going to kill Rocket. Oh, Rocket's probably going to die in this one. And now that people have seen it, everybody's like, oh, it was too dark. Ooh. <laughs> it, it it pushes the envelope. I, I don't want to get into any stories, but I have, a, I have a joke about like one thing that bothered the audience. And I was like, if that bothers you, then everything else in this movie <laughs> is going to be pretty harsh. Uh, yeah. Guardians 3, I have my IMAX 3D tickets ready to go. I think he does IMAX the best out of a lot of the Marvel movies. So I highly recommend it. And Zach, considering it one of the best since Endgame. Uh, so Guardians 3 is my first pick of the week. Another one that's tough viewing. Uh, you haven't had the chance to catch this one yet, I don't think. All these songs, no, I have. the follow-up, and did we talk about yeah, it? Yeah, I mean, look, it's it's the, it's the boy, it's right? Boy. It's, it's our guy. It's your boy. Bing He's Lou. got a new one. All these sons, the director who did Mind the Gap, which was one of Zach's runaway picks for that year. He's got another yeah. one that takes place in Chicago, covering a lot of, really, the cycles of hate that happened over here. We talked about it for whatever fest it had premiered a while back. It is out on VOD, so I would highly recommend it because um, he's one of the best documentarians out there. All These Sons. Another Absolutely. one would be my virtual pick. One of my favorite movies of last year, dude. I missed it in New York. Had the chance to catch it in Chicago. Return to Soul is not just a great movie. It makes me like dancing sequences. I hate dancing sequences. Return to Soul might have one of the best ones, not just the last year, in the last decade. Highly recommend this movie. It is out available for 15 bucks. That's a steal for one of the best movies of last year. I am not allowed to mention this, Zach said, so I will not be saying what I think about this, but I think y'all should check out Bupkiss, which comes out. I am allowed to say that Bupkiss comes out on Peacock. It is uh, Pete Davidson and Joe Pesci. Joe Pesci's back. I'm really curious to see how Joe Pesci is in a series. That'd be really cool to watch. That sounds awesome. <laughs> Bupkis is a comedy. I, Coming and to I Peacock see from the trailer. This Thursday. I see. I see from, from the, the trailer. trailer to Bupkis. Just from the trailer to Bupkis, that beyond Pete Davidson and Joe Pesci, Pesci who you mentioned, uh-huh. there are other big celebrities that show up in this show, including Edie Falco, who plays his mom, and Bobby Cannavale. And some other cameos that may have been mentioned. (laughs) This looks like I'm going to really like it and put it for another recommended. Hop on the show. It looks like it's going to be really good. Bupkis. We'll definitely talk more about it next week when it's uh, out and not under embargo. Yeah. 
also coming out is the Chicago Critics Film Festival. We have pretty much covered all of these movies, dude. Uh, if you have the chance to go, they're playing Blackberry, one of our favorite movies. Yes. Sanctuary, one of the most anticipated ones that people have been telling me. They've got Can't really wait good to hear shorts. What you say about that one. <laughs> uh, probably one of the biggest ones is Past Lives with Celine Song there to do the director Q&A. You also have uh, Theater Camp as a closing night film. All of the movies that we have mentioned in the past couple of months, you will have a chance to see them with some really cool Q&As over the Chicago Critics Film Festival. I will be there for some screenings. I will even be rewatching some of these movies because I think they're that good. So if you live in Chicago or you're from afar, drive over here. We have a really good festival that's about to start this weekend. So my final pick would be all of these films at the Chicago Critics Fest. A lot of ones we have awesome. mentioned that I would highly recommend. Zach, what do you have? Because I'm doubling up what I see as your first pick. Uh, yeah, it, are you there, God? It's me, Margaret. We talked about it earlier on it. the pod, but it is, it's a really, really great film. I, I love a film that's willing to handle uh, some of these issues with the like seriousness that they they can, but like despite doing that within the context of a kid's movie, like they, they treat them, uh, I don't know, they just treat the issues with the, the proper weight, but also the proper amount of like fun and levity. I don't know. It's relatable. It, it's wonderful. It's sweet. It's funny. It's well acted. It's definitely going to be one of my favorite films of the year. Are You There, God? It's me, Margaret. That is a uh, recommendation from both of us for sure. The next one, I don't know if it's a recommendation from both of us, but it's definitely a recommendation from me. Um, one of it. our picks... One of our picks from South by Southwest, it's The Artifice Girl, a pretty interesting film, pretty kind of low-budget film, I, I would guess, uh, about the this new technology being developed, uh, a potential AI to hunt online predators, and all the different uh, potential ripple effects of developing that technology. It's a film that is less concerned with, like, the ex machina-style doomed vision of AI taking over the world and more interested in exploring like what happens when we start to ask things like this of AI and, and what is the direction that it could potentially head in. And they do an, a very clever thing in that the film is separated into three acts that each take place after a time jump. And just to sort of see the way that the circumstances have evolved, I found it to be really fascinating. I'd love to even see this acted out on a stage because it's got a very like theatrical there. Aaron Sorkin back and forth dialogue quality. Uh, but yeah, I, I thought this one was really good. A directorial de feature directorial debut, I should say, from Franklin Rich, who's also one of the co-stars in the film. I'd check this one out. It's available on VOD. Very nice. Uh, Alamo Drafthouse had a Q&A with the guy, too. So he's, he's oh, cool. had a little good rollout with it. So it's nice. Uh, a couple things that aren't necessarily brand new. Uh, Better Call Saul... Its final season wrapped up several months ago, but it's all available in the U.S. now on hey. Netflix. So if you've been waiting to catch up with the final slash sequel to Breaking Bad, wow. it's there for you. You don't have to subscribe to AMC+. Plus. Um, yeah, please, please get around to it, dude, because there are some amazing, amazing episodes there. And I don't know, it, it's we're talking about Succession a lot, and I'm just upset that Succession's final season has to come at the same time as we're getting Better Call Saul's final season because it does feel like Better Call Saul is going to get ignored at the Emmys all over again. They are competing, aren't they? That's right, because they split it. Yeah. Dang. I, will, and I told you this. There has not been a week that's gone by where I don't see an out-of-context Better Call Saul meme. Mm. They just... They, I found out someone was in the show who I didn't know was in the show through a meme <laughs> this past week. And the meme was really nice. funny and I have no context for the meme. That's why the, <laughs> these series will So get on. the context. Isn't it crazy? Netflix is better than AMC Plus in promoting their own shows. That's crazy to me. Yeah. All right. Beautiful. Uh, so Better Call Saul, a show that w has already been out and is now more readily available. Another show that's already premiered but is already more readily available. Clone High. I don't know if you ever caught this one. Uh, way back in the Comedy Central days, uh, this one was first uh, developed in 2002. I believe Two, it was. I'm oh, sorry, for MTV even. Um, and it's the first show developed by Phil Lord and Chris Miller, who okay. later went on to make a couple movies that you might have heard of. Mm -hmm. uh, they fixed anti-Semitism. 
<laughs> They're the biggest ones. That too. That too. Um, Clone High is a really interesting animated comedy uh, that stars a bunch of clones of iconic uh, historical figures like Abe Lincoln, Joan of Arc, Gandhi, Cleopatra, and JFK all sent to go to high school together. So the jokes are this like very silly mix of historical references and high school comedy stuff. It's the kind of thing that might be very stupid if it wasn't handled by talented people, but you know it's going to be handled well because it's Chris Lord and Phil Miller. And it's it's a show that I think has resonated so much with like cult comedy fans that they've announced and are well into developing the remake, which is set to premiere on HBO Max on May 23rd. So you can check out the old series on HBO Max. I think it ran for one season, 13 episodes, and then you can catch season two later this month on HBO Max. All right. Be jumping on that one. Yeah. Uh, My last one is a little bit of a different recommendation. It is one that is kind of music-based, but uh, it's also like the the entertainment of it. You know, we don't do a lot of music recommendations here on Intercut, but I did want to give a shout to Mark Rebier, who is Uh. just... Becoming one of my favorite entertainers, uh, he put he put out what I think is his best or maybe one of his best videos yet. This video called Lafayette in Spring. It's from a two hour live stream he did where he just sets up his piano and uh, music equipment on a corner in New York City and lets the crowds gather around him. I think he maybe like put out a tweet so some of his fans showed up. But it, it's a video that. A, showcases what makes Mark Rebier such like a special entertainer in that he mixes improvising all of his songs with just this sort of crazy, zany, uh, comedic energy style. And on top of that, it's got it's this video that showcases you just the beauty of living in a city like New York City in that this these crowds show up and then a guy shows up and he does some freestyle rap. And then another guy shows up and he's got a violin and it's just sort of like this incredibly special musical moment uh, streamlined into a 23-24 minute video for you. So if you're not already a fan of Marc Rebier, hopefully this video makes you one. And if you are a fan, check out that entire live stream because it's truly special stuff. Uh, He's been doing a series called We Outside where he's just showing up with his equipment and letting crowds gather as he plays music for a couple hours. And it's just a really excellent use of his talents uh you know we we're talk we're going to talk more about uh the tribeca film festival hopefully in the next couple of weeks there's actually a documentary playing tribeca about mark rebier so we might get some more rebier content on the show shortly but uh if you don't want to wait for that check out lafayette and spring on mark rebier's youtube channel so i first heard of this guy at coachella i saw his entire coachella (laughs) set where he came out inside incredible set Dear Lord, he pretty much destroys his entire set and then says that yeah. everything is improvised and he's never rehearsed for a live show in his life as he's stripped almost but naked. <laughs> and I'm just waiting for Frank Ocean to come on. So <laughs> I've just been introduced to this man. <laughs> like He's a lot, but I kind of love Two and a half it. weeks ago. I did not mm-hmm. expect to hear about him before the month was up. Well, I guess the month is up. So now I've heard of him for two months straight. It, the Bucky yeah. thing is what got me. I saw him with the Bucky thing. He came out in a robe. He's interesting. I will say I sat through the entire set as he destroyed it. Yeah. So, all right. He's an entertainer. Interesting. Um, I know he had an Amazon right. Prime show. He had an Amazon Prime show briefly. I don't know if that's coming back or not, but uh, it, people are looking for ways to, to turn that into something, I think. Bro, he was insane, dude. Alina was like, what are you watching? I'm like, I don't know. I'm just waiting to see if Frank Ocean's going to go live or not, bro. It's 50% musical performance, 50% watching a guy lose his mind. Literally. All improv. Yeah. Yeah. All right. (laughs) I'm looking forward to the doc. I'll say that much. All right. Those are all of our picks for the week. Uh, Zach said he's got Mark. I didn't even know he had the whole YouTube channel, so that's pretty interesting. Yeah. Uh, Zach also had... Clone High. Clone High. Uh, which is on HBO Max. I had uh, Better Call Saul, now that it's all available on Netflix. I had The Artifice Girl, which you can rent on VOD. And then I have Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret. 
two thumbs way up. Go catch that one in theaters. Please catch it in theaters because it it didn't do as well as I was hoping it would. Yeah, that yeah, kind of sucks. Movie. Yeah, but hey, Mario, a Billy, congrats, Mario. I need yeah. to do it. Uh, Chicago Film <laughs> Festival, uh, one of my picks for the week in terms of having pretty much a movie that we have recommended in our must-watch uh, festival list pretty much every single day. So definitely go catch Past Lives and Blackberry. They topped our list, and you can catch them both at the same festival. Uh, I may be reportedly, allegedly, supposedly recommending Bupkis that's going to be playing over on Peacock. Definitely a family-friendly uh, series that I've heard. Return to Soul, one of my favorite, not just festival picks, but overall movies of last year is available for you to purchase or to rent, and I highly recommend it. All These Sons, a documentary that, that is very heavy, but it's coming from one of the best documentarians we have out right now. Uh, and then... Guardians of the Galaxy. I'm excited to catch my IMAX showing. I hope people really mess with it. I think it's good. It's a it's a nice farewell. I almost I didn't realize it was two and a half hours long. I still think it's worth it. I'm gonna go rewatch it. So a bunch of really good picks for this week. Uh, as always, you can catch me over at LME Explain on Twitter. I'm actually changing it. It's LME Movies across the board. Got a new okay. Instagram. Let me explain. Man, I had trouble figuring that one out. I, I found a way to make it. Let me explain movies, but it was too big for Twitter. So let me explain yeah. works on all platforms. So I'm having that be the switch. Let me movies cross platform. Um, cross platform. We got the whole change over there. Got got to make sure the the SEO is right. Uh, but Zach, where yeah. could they find more from you? You can catch me on Twitter, Letterbox, Instagram, wherever at Zshevich, and you can catch my YouTube or or uh, TikTok channels at Multiplex Show. As always, you can catch every episode of The Weekend Must Watch here on Intercut. And a reminder that you can listen to every episode of Intercut podcast on iTunes, on Anchor, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher. You can catch the live video here on YouTube for our brackets, for our must-watches, all of our festival coverage. A big shout-out to all the intercuties who listen live. We see you all in the chat. We appreciate you. Yeah. And uh, all the patrons, everyone who leaves us an iTunes five-star review, we're going... On the charts, it seems we're really big overseas, so we appreciate all of you who are listening. Very big uh, in Norway. All, hey. All of those five-star reviews, it allows us to keep doing what we're doing. So don't forget to leave us a comment, drop a like, follow the socials over on Intercut Pod. And until next time, keep watching movies, and we'll see y'all later.